All right, episode 106 with Steven Ledbetter and Josh Hillis is about to start. And honestly, this episode is probably one of the best, best episodes when it comes to being a good human being, as well as being one of the best coaches that you can ever be. And I don't want to spoil anything, and I just want to get right into this interview because we go over a lot of great stuff and a lot of recommended books, which I will put into the show notes if you wanted to purchase it. So here it goes, episode 106. Let's do this thing. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and today I got two badasses joining me today. We have Coach Stevo and Mr. Josh Hillis. Say hello. Hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, that, that was a long pause. I was like, oh, who's going to talk first? <laughs> yeah, I think that's why we paused. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I like to start the show always asking my guests what they got planned for the weekend. So whoever wants to start to give us a great story, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure. Um, well, what I've got going for the weekend, I uh, actually I started getting together a local group of trainers, and um, and we're actually going to go to this place called Pints Pub. Pints <laughs> Pub has a uh, they call it a tour of Scotland, and you can have their their beginner or advanced one one scotch from every region. Nice. Oh, and neat. So, yeah, so that's what uh, <laughs> that's what I'm doing with uh, like three or four like really cool. Trainer folks. Definitely good for the advanced. <laughs> yeah. 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 If, if you want your like PD scotch to like really taste like dirt, it's the, it's, it's right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. Related to that. Um, my wife and I just got back from Scotland. Right. Yeah. Nice. And we're recording this on Burns night, which is like the national holiday of Scotland, um, is today and related to, that this weekend we did so much hiking in Scotland that my wife and I have just decided to keep that up as a habit, uh, and we're celebrating Burns Night a little late and this weekend and doing some hiking. So, right yeah, that's awesome. No, it's funny. That's cool. <laughs> what, what was like the best thing in Scotland when you got when you went? Oh man, uh, the the best thing. I actually divide my life now between ABC and sorry AGC and BGC, which is. Uh, before Glencoe and after Glencoe, because <laughs> seeing Glencoe, it was like a religious experience. It was the most beautiful, wow. amazing, uh, uh, touching place I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Yeah. I, I think I had an Instagram post about it, but Glencoe is this, um, I mean, it's a Glen, so it's kind of like a canyon uh, that you're at the bottom of, except it's all green. And in this case, we would go there in winter with snow, snow caps on the tops of the mountains and uh, a mist. And the snow and the mist line are the exact same line. Oh, so awesome. it feels like it just goes up and on forever. And it's so steep and stark. But it's such a cool and haunting place that uh, Glencoe, the name, no one knows where it comes from. Um, <laughs> it's just always been Glencoe. It, the name actually predates the language of Gaelic, and it predates the language of the Picts. It's just wow. Always, yeah, it's just always <laughs> co. And it's uh, such a special place in Scotland that it's uh, it's, it's kind of like a national park. 
Um, but that also means there's almost no people there. It's so it's even wow. more even more amazing. Wow. Okay, and that's I could, list. I could take up this whole podcast talking about Scotland. <laughs> I'm totally putting that my, on my list. It's my special happy place. But awesome. if you can go to Glencoe, absolutely go to Glencoe. All right. Cool. Um, so before we get into the questions, I'm also kind of curious, like, what are you two guys up to for, like, fitness and coaching? Like, any big projects coming out or anything like that? I'm kind of curious what you guys are working on. Whoever wants to go uh, first. <laughs> uh, Josh, as a rule, I think I was going to let you go first on everything. Let's okay. Get a rhythm on that. Well, we'll have, we'll have an order. Um, yeah. So let's see it right now. Uh, what are we doing? We've, I mean, um, so one by one nutrition, we're still doing um, lots of phone coaching. We've got an online, um, we've got an online do it yourself group that's going really well. It's probably the most successful, um, most successful online coaching program we've ever done. Um, writing a bunch for that, like, like writing a lot of lessons for, for those clients, writing a lot of lessons for writing a lot of blog stuff. Um, and I am, uh, just started up school again. So, uh, the semester just started in this, and I'm actually a TA for statistics and research methods and behavioral sciences, which is kind of exciting. So that's, awesome. that's right about you. Yeah. Oh, and, and gym clients. I, I still have those two. They're, they're still, <laughs> they're still cranking along. Uh, I, I got a couple new ones that are, uh, it's just fun. I just forget that like, that's another thing that like I spent like a decade and a half getting good at. And so it's cool to get to do that too. <laughs> what, what made you want to go back to school? Uh, actually, so it, it's so funny because, um, cause mostly Steve-O, um, I mean, like, like Steve-O, dude, I, I don't know if you know, but I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, we've, we talked about it before, but like, uh, there was, there was that point where we started talking about coaching and you were like, oh yeah, that's autonomy support. And you're like, oh yeah, that's like belonging support. Oh yeah, that's competence support. And you're like, and I'm like, I'm like, you can study this stuff. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, there's research on this stuff. And I just got to a point where, um, where, you know, like, like you go from buying the books to buying the textbooks to like okay i'm on my like seventh psychology textbook i think i think i've gone as far as i can probably go on my own and i and at this point i actually want some like oversight from teachers saying like yeah this is it or this isn't it or or like that so i'm going back to school for psychology and um hopefully going to do some research reviews on contextual behavioral science and weight loss and and uh, yeah that's what i'm up to nice that's really cool yeah Mm. Yeah, I love that idea of like you go to school for accountability. Yeah, that's yeah, I love that. That's exactly how I felt um, when I decided to go back for grad school. Was I wanted someone to hold my feet to the fire to do the practice of counseling skills, like yeah. to really to someone to actually you know make me do it and uh, to give me feedback that I couldn't get just from doing it on my own. And I was like, there's no way to get this other than other than uh, school, I mean, I'm sure there are, but like that's the that's that's the thing that school is for. So yeah, I like that. Hmm. Um, uh, what we're up to, uh, habitry is, let's see, a um, lot of uh, our our clients now are mostly companies, so we're uh, helping companies develop um, features and 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 products and services to help people. Uh, change their behavior 
and health contacts and stuff like that. Uh, so we've got a lot of uh, tech clients and that making fun things like chatbots and um, uh, helping people move better and, and work environments and things like that. So a lot of, it's really what it is, is freelance teaching. Like that's, that's kind of a weird thing to say, <laughs> but it, it's just like they pay us to come in and, and, and help like teach their employees and teach their designers about motivation science and about behavioral behavior change and things like that. And then we help them um, develop new new ways to help people. Uh, and that's part of our mission to help the most people help the most people is, is that kind of teaching. Um, and then related to that, uh, Omar and I, uh, Omar and I, for the, those of you who don't know, um, the, the better, smarter, good-looking person in Habitry, um, and I are uh, writing a book on, on motivation and behavior change. Um, and we're in the thick of that, which feels a bit like deciding to uh, I don't know, hike across a desert, but you don't know how long it is. <laughs> it feels about like that right now. Jeez. So we're doing that, uh, which is just like a whole bunch of writing, a whole bunch of research. And, um, oh yeah, when we, we, we occasionally publish on our, on our blog, um, practical motivation science, we just put a new post up today on designing, motivating push notifications. Uh, and even if you mm. don't, even if you don't uh, design push notifications for your job, I guarantee you'll like it as a coach just because you'll read it and go, yeah, this is what coaching is. And like, yeah, that's, that's what we teach people. <laughs> it's, it's like push notifications or text messages from an app. So you have to treat it like, like you would if you're talking to a person. So anyway, you can check that out. Um, the short link for that is habitry.link slash push. If you're interested in that. Awesome. So you said you worked with tech companies, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so how did you get like yourself into the door with that? Cause like you could have gone with any company in any kind of industry, really, if you think about it. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not, we only work with tech companies. It's just that that's okay. kind of happened. That's I'm in San Francisco. Um, gotcha. So that's who's around, uh, <laughs> which sounds like a silly thing to say, but, um, yeah, that's just kind of how it's happened. Um, we also work with coaches, uh, but that's through a company out in the UK called Lift the Bar. Um, we do everything. Lately, we've done everything with them because they have a thousand coaches that they work with, and we make programs. In fact, there's one starting today on self-determination theory at Lift the Bar. So, and there's a free trial at Lift the Bar. So, if you join Lift the Bar, you can start taking our self-determination theory course that we help them develop. Sweet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm so hyped for your book, too. <laughs> Me, too. I can't wait to see what it is. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Josh, yeah. I actually want to had a follow-up question to your uh, self-guided um, coaching. Like, I'm kind of curious, yeah. like, why did you guys choose to do a self-guided coaching program? And how does something like that look? Like, how is that structured? So we created full lessons for all of our all of our skills, all of our food skills, and um, we uh, we we basically broke up the lessons into into little chunks and made video and audio and references and all that kind of stuff. And we give them that with a little bit of structure on how to on how to choose where to start. We we have like some survey kinds of things they can take like. 
what what food skill you know best represents me as a person uh but no it, it it's like where should i start and um and then we we essentially coach it like we would coach an online coaching like we would have coached an online coaching group in the past we just coach it less and we set it up as a as like a do-it-yourself thing with coaching versus like you're getting coaching in a group online and um and so they they go through the lessons and they pick their own skills and they pick their they pick their things out and and we kind of like mostly consult and um it's it's going really well like it's it's the the highest retention we've ever had from any anything we've ever done online ever by a, a lot it's cool neat that's a really good design yeah that only took like 17 iterations <laughs> <laughs> oh and and the first version that we did like this actually didn't work either so the first version we did it like this it was too open we're like here's all the stuff and so we've we've oh, had man. to create we've had to create a bunch of times <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's like too rigid. There's like too open. I think this was. I think we're. I think we're doing pretty good. <laughs> I think we're doing pretty good in the middle. But that's pretty interesting. Like the like the less coaching you give to a group, and then you have everything kind of laid out for someone, and it's at their own pace. It kind of makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, do you do you still need a coach if you have stuff like this out there? We we actually give away all the lessons for free. Oh, interesting. So if if they wanted to do it without us, they absolutely can. Like they they totally 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 can. They they've got access to the whole world of it. So um so yeah, so the the thing is the thing is that by setting it up as a do-it-yourself program with coaches, then they can come in and out as they want. They can forget about it. They don't feel hounded. It's it's entirely it's entirely autonomous, right? And um, and we let them go away when they want to, right? If if someone if someone goes away for a couple of weeks and forgets, and then they come back. That's actually fine. Like we, we stopped trying to force it to be like a watered down version of phone coaching. We're just letting it be exactly what it is. That's so awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a really that's a really cool idea. Like, is it a software that the clients use, or is it like an automated sequence of emails depending on how far they get into it? Uh, both. We've we've got an, we've got an email sequence that kind of walks them through, uh, especially how to start, how to approach it, and you know how how to look at it, how to interact with the group, and all that kind of stuff like that. And then we've got a learning management system where they can go in and uh, pick and choose lessons in in whatever order they want. I like that. So, like, I, I was talking to another coach about this because it's like a lot of the online coaches there they always you know, come out with like an ebook or like a program and, you know, they do really well They sell a lot of copies, but then like, what's the retention rate of all those people buying the program and you're hoping that they do the program for 12 or eight weeks or whatever it is. But I'm like, maybe like the next thing would be, you know, like a sequence where it's like self-guided, but they still get the full yeah. program until they complete it. And like every week or every day they get something new and they're almost like waiting for like the next notification that, Here's what you got today. Here's what you're working on. Go for it. Yeah. So that's that's the other way to go, right? That's the, where where it's like where it is all sequenced, and they do all, and there's people that do very well with that, right? Um, and we deliberately didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a there's a uh, there's a, a concept in um, 
uh, game design. And this is from a, from a researcher named Sebastian Dieterding um, called uh, Build Sandboxes, Not Assembly Lines. Um, by yeah. creating a sandbox, by creating a, a world that people can explore uh, um, autonomously, they're, they're likely they're far more likely to one feel autonomous, which is great. Uh, but they're far more likely to explore, let let their own interest guide their exploration. Right. Um, and they're far less likely to feel controlled by just a, the assembly line, like the ever going, um, uh, you know, like Lu- like Lucy in the episode where she can't assemble things fast enough. I think it's on most. And but the catch is as uh, as Josh alluded to, and as I know, I screwed up a lot. Um, just having a whole bunch of options can feel just as controlling. But it, you're being controlled by chaos. You don't know how to pick. So one of the most important things about building a sandbox is building some sort of onboarding system into the sandbox yeah. to let people figure out how to make their own choice. So that turns out to be as important as building the sandbox itself is building an onboarding system that lets people learn how to make the choices, how to make the decision about what to do. And it sounds like what uh, One by One Nutrition and, and Josh have made is just like a perfect example of that idea of a, a sandbox that you onboard people into to let them explore their own interest and explore their own values, really. Yeah. So this would That's be what we're shooting a, for. Yeah. This would be kind of a cool question is, what do you guys think is going to be like the future of online coaching? Like, what do you think that might happen? What would be kind of cool to see happen? I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are. Uh, do you want to go first on this one, Steve? Uh, sure. Uh, I, I think it's going to take a lot of different forms as, you know, which is kind of a cop-out answer, I guess. But <laughs> the, um, I think as it gets easy, you know, the, the cool thing about technology as it is currently structured is that the entire system of the Internet is built to, is built to optimize for one thing, which is making new shit. And everything in the internet gets easier for more and more people to make new shit. Um, how easy is it to make video now than it was five years ago, 10 years ago? How much easier is it to make a podcast? Everything's optimized for more people to make more things. So I think that more coaches are going to be making more content. Um, that's undoubtedly, that's going to be a, a trend that keeps going. Um, but I think a differentiator will be the fact that, you know, there's nothing really new out there. Uh, if the problem, you know, anyone can Google anything. So the answer is the problem is not really information. It's going to be uh, creating things that are actually helping solve the problems that people have, which are problems of motivation, problems of getting their basic psychological needs met, um, problems of navigating the information itself. So like we're talking about with making sandboxes, making these online courses. Uh, learning management systems have gotten really, really easy to do, really easy to, to make. Um, I've worked with some companies that have really high valuations that are really just kind of fancy learning management application. Like, they, all they've done is to sort of copy what a learning management system does and then put their stamp on it. Um, so that I think that's going to be a thing that a lot more coaches start playing with, is making more online courses, making more uh, content that is 
almost well i would say gameful not gamified but more like games where people can interact with it uh, as josh said on their own time on their own in their own way uh and that's going to be a way of coaching that a lot of people are going to get more and more comfortable with as as the tools get easier to use um additionally i think it is also a lot cheaper it's really easy to scale um like Josh has said he's putting out all that information for free because it doesn't really take much uh, in terms of um, marginal cost. Additionally, I think a lot more companies are going to be, uh, and big companies, obviously like Apple with the Apple Watch and things like that, are going are are trying and currently failing miserably at helping people change their behavior. But it's not going to be too long before they start figuring some stuff out that's actually helpful. Um, it's a bit like watching a, a blind giant poking around in the dark, but, uh, it's like a Cyclops who already had his eye poked out. Um, what I feel like I'm watching, but they're going to figure out some stuff. So a lot more people are going to be going to technology before coaching. However, as the, as more coaches can make more techie things, I think the, the, the bridge get the, uh, the gap gets bridged. So um, I could probably keep going for another hour on this. I think about it a lot, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Josh talk. <laughs> the uh, the only other thing that I that I would say is that like, we we love having this. We love having the learning management system. We love having the group coaching. We love being able to like give that stuff away. And yet, I know for us, our core business is still phone coaching. Our, yeah. our core business is still getting on the phone with someone has got that's got an emotional eating issue and talking through it and them reflecting and sorting out their values and coping strategies and self-care. And, and that's, um, and so, so sometimes I, I feel like it's a little bit disingenuous for me to talk about like online coaching when, when most, well, when I still feel like mostly what we do is phone coach. Yeah. I actually, just to tack onto that, I think that's what most people need, just that most people don't want it, and they aren't <laughs> ready to admit it. And almost everything that, like, all the tech stuff and all that it is, it, I think what it does is surface those needs sooner if it's right. done well. I don't, and I, I don't think that, you know, all that tech stuff I said, at the end of the day, you still got to help people find what they want and meet their, and then help them get what they need. Like that, yeah. that's not going to change. That's still coaching. Um, and that is this, the absolute core skill set that coaches have to have for all that other stuff to even matter. You know, what's something that you said, Steve, on a podcast, I feel like last year sometime, and it really stuck out to me. You were talking about how, um, Someone was asking you about the technology versus coaching and if the technology is going to replace coaching. And you, you said something to the effect of like, there's this like huge mass of people that's going to get, that's going to get some behavior change from technology and apps and, and things like that. And then, and then coaching will always be this like super premium service for the people that can afford it to like essentially have them sort out for, for us. Yeah. 
Um, I always, I always actually think about that. I think about like, like, like coaching is sort of like this like luxury item and for the people who can afford it to like walk, get walked through it by a coach. That's, that's awesome. And for the people that don't have an extra $350 a month, like they can, like if they can get for $30 a month or for free or for, or for some other, you know, if they can get some of it and just, um, essentially just spend more of their time sorting it out. Yeah. Than that. I think, and that's one of the things that's uh, like an existential owie for <laughs> for coaching is is that this that realization that I I don't when I had it it was like a gut punch that coaching is a premium thing like coaching is yeah. a thing that that only people who have disposable income can get period like it yeah. per, like one on one coaching that yeah. is never not going to be true like if you're a personal trainer your job is to help rich people lose weight. Like, and I, I use yeah. kind of in quotes, but like, I mean like the globally rich, like compared yeah. to others. Um, and one of the, the gut punches was when we uh, did some work with a company that is making stuff. And the only, uh, I, sorry, I have to be vague because I signed these NDAs, but they, they, it's a chat bot that helps people, um, with health, that is the so in most cases the only coaching these people will ever experience in their entire life, because right. this is a service that is offered for free by their insurance company, right. and and that is the weight of that is is daunting, um, but it's it's also the reality of living in a world of global capitalism. Like that's it sucks, but it's kind of the way things are. And do with that what you will. Uh, but it's it's really a gut punch to go, oh, wow, most people who, like, by definition, if you can afford a coach, it's because you can afford a coach. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next, uh, I'm, sorry, go on. No, no. So, so I saw that actually is really hopeful, actually. And this, like, like I, th- I think it's really, really, really hopeful that, like, you're creating this this chat bot that they can get through their insurance. You know, it, it's kind of like the same thing when we when we sorted out, like, like we're gonna give away our lessons for free. Like, like, we're we're never gonna lose a, a client, right? Yeah. Like, like we can give that away for free to the people that need it for free, and like the people that are gonna get get that. I'm glad you are doing the chat. I'm glad you're influencing the chat bot that they're getting through their insurance. That I know that they're gonna get something more than 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 they would ever get. Any, I mean, they're actually gonna get more than they would get from the local personal trainer <laughs> <laughs> by, by like a factor of like the local personal trainer would probably damage them. So what you're getting from there, from that chat, what you're giving them through that chat bot is actually like you're doing a really good thing thanks man i hope so (laughs) knock on wood um yeah i i I think it is too for that same reason like it's one of those uh like i said our our hazardous mission to help the most people help the most people and that is uh the thing that 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 guides us is how can we help uh like the the thing that gives that structure is how can we help the most people create need supportive environments how can we help the most people support other people's basic psychological needs for autonomy, competence, and relatedness? And for the most part, when it comes to helping companies do that, it's it's more like harm reduction. Like, how can we right. help the most people not, like, stop fucking up people's lives? Yeah. And, and um, 
most of what we do is teach people, like get people to neutral. How can you at least not thwart basic psychological? <laughs> and yeah. like, at the end of the day, uh, Omar, Vanessa, and I will go, okay, we 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 prevent we we prevented that today. <laughs> like at least we did that. So yeah, it's it's. I think it's hopeful too because uh, it le- like all this stuff. Yeah, we got it from science. Um, and it's it's in the research, but we learned it, and by that I mean like intimately learned it by being coaches. Yeah. Like you don't really know what it means to really listen to someone unless you've practiced the skill of listening. Right. Like you can read it in a book, but it doesn't matter if you haven't sat down and seen how hard it is to not think about yourself for an hour. <laughs> like, that's just a skill that takes time and energy and pain to learn. <laughs> totally. And if we can take some of the knowledge from that and help bake it into some chatbots, I think that's uh, I think that is uh, just going to help more people and and hopefully help coaches because I hope it raises the bar for what good coaching is too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of coaching, because I've had a lot of newer coaches or people interested in getting into the industry like what they should be learning, what they should be reading. And um, I think it'd be kind of cool to get your take on like, what are some characteristics, like even personality traits that every good coach should have and not only learning like how the human body works and what the hell a single leg deadlift is, but the stuff that actually matters for making someone successful. Uh, I would go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was I was just gonna go just springboard right off of what you just said. Um, the it's it's about like if if you want so, if you want someone to change their lifestyle, right? As most coaches probably put it, um, it really is about listening. It really like when you start as a trainer, you think like, oh, I'm gonna coach food. I'm, I better be a really good talker and know all this about <laughs> all this stuff. And it's kind of the opposite of that. And it's one of those things where the more curious you can get about what's going on for them and, and the better you can the better you can be like a place for them to reflect on, on what to do in their life and what matters to them, then the, the better um, the better you'll do. Like just to make that a little more practical, what I mean is like like listening to them, help them sort out like what matters to them and then help them sort through habits or skills that they could take action on. And um, and most of that's going to be them. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic summary. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I'm I will just add to that by saying, um, like as a coach, you kind of have to make a decision: Are you going to help people who already love working out <laughs> work out? Or, which I, uh, sadly I think is what most people think when they get into it. Yeah. Or are you going to help people? Um, help people change their lifestyle and like help people who don't already love working out fall in love with it um, or at least learn to deal with it um, like learn how to integrate it in their life to be the to be an honest answer um, the and the reality is there are mm, I think 1.7 million people in the United States who give a shit about working out and the other 300 and something million don't so like pick you know know who you're who you're talking to um so and there's not there's not and the folks who already love working out don't really need your help so you're not going to make a living doing that uh so 
that, that's like the one decision to make. Um, it's cool if like you want to do that, but know that that's the you know those are the odds you're up against. Um, and then if you think about that and you go, okay, I want to help people change their lifestyle. Um, ask yourself this: How do you react when people cry in front of you? Because if you're not comfortable with people crying, you're not in you're in the wrong job. Um, and it's not I, that being said, it's not something you, you can learn it. I used to be incredibly uncomfortable when people cried in front of me. I was like, oh, like I, my brain would scream, what do I do? 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 I got to fix it. I got to fix it. I got to fix it. And then on, I think it's my second day of grad school, the professor, the professor sat us down and gave us that ultimatum, which was if you're not comfortable with people crying, you're in the wrong profession. And I had to learn the skill of like, reacting in the right way when people cried in front of me. And now it's just, I'm actually married to someone who cries 50 times a day. Like that's just how she, that's just how she is. Um, and I got really comfortable with it, but getting comfortable with, uh, people emoting. And by that I mean just like the raw, messy, um, real reality of the fact that people have emotions is, is a skill that I think is absolutely required to be a great coach. I think it's required to be a good coach. I think it's required to be a not shitty coach. Like just, just that's the bar. I think it's required to be a good human. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> kind of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like think about those and then like all the books and stuff will kick in later, but get comfortable with people's emotions and then work from there. Fuck. That was really so, good. <laughs> so fun, fun fact. Less people cry in weight loss than I had salespeople crying in door-to-door sales. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but that that kind of goes. Didn't um, didn't Sumi ask a question about uh, empathy? Yeah, so I'm looking that up right now. So yeah, Sumi said empathy for others. Can it be taught to trainers and coaches? Some seem to lack this. Is there a point where one can have too much empathy? Is there such a thing as too much? What about tough love? Or is that a case-by-case slash client-by-client thing? Well, I mean, I mean, first off, isn't isn't what Steve-O just said, like, like the, the requisite skill for empathy, like being able to be with other people's emotions and being interested in them also? Yeah. You know, like, like making it both safe and, like, caring about that and, and digging in. I think um, so. I, I also, whenever I hear that question broken down like that, I'm hearing a bunch, I hear a bunch of different things that have all been clumped together, like different skills. Okay. Um, I think, uh, and I forget where I'm getting this breakdown. Um, like what, who, who already said this before I'm saying it. So don't expect, I, I don't know who said it, but it wasn't me. So don't attribute the smartness to me. Um, empathy is, uh, the ability to think of yourself in this, in, in a similar situation and, and, and like having the same emotions and experience. It's like being able to put yourself in someone's head. Uh, compassion is the ability to be curious about someone's experience and be in, genuinely interested in it. Um, and they're both necessary. Empathy costs a lot more emotionally. It's a lot more emotional work than compassion. Compassion you can do at a distance. Compassion you can do intellectually. You can do kind of coldly. And I think that a lot of coaches 
Um, well, a really good coaches have a natural talent for empathy. They have a natural talent for like feeling what people are feeling. And that is a very emotionally draining. And for those coaches, I would recommend learning some compassion, learning how to uh, think about things with a little more distance so that you're not emotionally taxing yourself all the time. And for people who are maybe capable of compassion, capable of like that intellectual cold calculating, what is it that's going through this person's head? Um, but maybe miss, might miss the mark with genuine human connection, you, then you need to learn some empathy. You need to learn how to experience what people are experiencing um, and, and putting yourself there mentally. And I think they're absolutely teachable. Um, but the journey for everyone to learn those is very different. Like, I don't think there's a set way to teach them. Like, uh, I, I think that takes, that takes, you know, personal reflection and, and, and practice. But if you start at least with the understanding, like thinking of those two concepts as separate, I think it helps. Um, one one thing about learning it, since since I'm a nerd, I saw that question and looked it up last <laughs> night, <laughs> and um, I actually found a uh, there's a self determination theory um, study where they're talking about creating autonomous motivation for helping and empathy, and um, in that study it was as simple as they they had two groups and one group they they um, both groups read a story one group was instructed to pay attention to and remember all of the details that they'd get quizzed on those the other group was instructed to pay attention to the emotions that the person was having and that they would get quizzed on those and the ones that were told to pay attention to the emotions um uh, ended up scoring higher on um Empathy, autonomous motivation for helping, including um, willingness to offer financial help, um, and I thought that was just interesting. Like it was just paying attention. And then, wow, wasn't that neat? It's really neat. <laughs> and then I found another one. So there's this Jefferson Empathy Scale that is used a lot in medicine, and they use a lot with um, with doctor training. And apparently, there's this huge problem that in medical school. Um, like even people that start off with a really high amount of empathy at the beginning of medical school, like lose it by the time they, <laughs> they're done. Um, and they broke it down into four different things that could be practiced. I guess, I guess, I guess they're more like contexts, but the four different things in the scale were, um, how much the med student valued paying attention to feelings, how much, uh, importance they put on understanding the other person's feelings, um, how much they were willing to struggle to struggle with viewing the situation from, from the other person's perspective, and their understanding of empathy as a metacognitive process that required effort. <laughs> I thought that was like really interesting. So so anyway, I, I just thought that was really neat. Like, okay, you like you actually like you A, a you can measure it. And and B, you can you can teach it. I just thought that was cool. I, you know, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, because yeah, I like it as, as separate skills. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was gonna say, like, over the years of meeting different coaches, it sometimes like blows my mind where the coach is not very empathetic, and <laughs> they'll like argue with their clients about, no, you owe me this much money. I can't refund you this money. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like fuck like just be a human being and be nice <laughs> to this person like it just blows my mind i just want to get, get that out in the air <laughs> uh, yeah um, I, I've, I've actually i've actually worked with some coaches who 
I'm pretty sure we're on the spectrum, like on the autism spectrum, um, who with some uh, uh, like uh, real practice, like uh, sorry, real um, uh, reflective practice, we're able to generate a lot of compassion and empathy, um, even when they themselves were like, I'm just going through the motions. Like I'm just doing what you told me to do. So that's another reason I think it's quite teachable. Um, cause even people who are, uh, you know, cognitively less capable of observing and, and computing human, other humans behavior can still at least do the skills of it, like the outward signs of it and, and, and improve the relationships with their clients. So. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it's totally teachable. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Um, I wanted to get into another question from Chris. He says, I would love to get some detail on SDT when people say, I just want you to give me a meal plan slash training plan. How do we do it in a way that still promotes SDT in the group? Anyway. Uh, I'm going to be selfish to take this one first. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, SDT is my baby. Um, that's actually one of my favorite questions that, that, that yeah. coaches ask because I think it's an experience we've all had as a coach is people like exasperatingly just going, just tell me what to do, right? Um, I think in that moment, uh, one of the things to remember is that the basic psychological needs are needs. They are, they are as uh, salient to, to human experience as physiological needs, like the need for vitamin C. It doesn't matter if you don't like orange juice, you still need vitamin C or you get scurvy. Um, so let's separate the need from this expression. Um, people need autonomy. They need competence and they need relatedness. And in the moment when someone is asking for a meal plan, they're not asking for less autonomy. They're asking for more structure so that they can navigate, they can feel more, comp- they can feel more autonomously capable of navigating that structure. What they see is chaos. They don't know what to do, which means they're feeling inept, which is the opposite of competent. So by giving them some structure, some way to start making decisions that they are their decisions, you can solve that problem. It doesn't necessarily have to be a meal plan. It can just be some structure, some way for them to know that they're making good decisions is what they're asking for. Um, they're not asking for less autonomy. They're asking for more structure so that they can feel more competent. Totally. And, and I would just add that the way that I handle that really simply is I let them know that um, we have a general guideline that we typically start people off with, which is something like half the plate vegetables, quarter of the plate protein, quarter of the plate carbohydrates, and like a tablespoon of fat. And that way, and then we talk about like what that would look like in terms of different meals and, and things like that. But that gives them enough structure to get started where we can we can then have conversations like, oh, my friend told me that if I have carbohydrates, I'm going to die or my friend <laughs> told me whatever. But all of a sudden we've got we've got like just enough just enough structure that we can actually start to have conversations and, and they can like contribute to those conversations like from that from that structure. Right. And um, and it, and in general, what like what Steve said about like for them it's chaos. It is it is absolute chaos. And so for us not to give them them something in the beginning and then scaffold that off later, 
uh, is doing them a disservice. And I, I see that so many times with coaches that are first starting off to take a more, um, more autonomy supportive approach to, uh, to coaching. They, they, they do the exact same extremes that I was talking about in the very, very beginning. They go from way too much structure to none. And then their clients are feeling, um, you know, lost, like just, just completely lost. And so it's, it's okay to start with a little bit, little, little, little some, some. Yeah. I actually like the, this example to help people understand how, what that feels like. Imagine if you went to your doctor, uh, and your doctor said, I have some bad news. You have stage four cancer. And then you immediately said, what do I do? And the doctor said, I don't know. You figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Of, of, and it doesn't feel freeing. It feels controlling. And that's, it, it, that's the, what you're being is controlled by chaos. Um, uh, I had another thought as Josh was talking because it was his, the stuff that he was saying was so fucking brilliant. Um, and now, I've, of course, forgotten it. But if it comes back to me, I'll say it. Uh, shout, shout out when you, yeah. when you remember. Oh, ooh, 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 over ooh, here. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. um, so I have another question from Facebook from Valerie. And she asks, and I'd love to hear more about acceptance and commitment therapy and the best way to use it when it comes to nutrition habits. That's, that's, that's my jam. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I'm glad because, because I was just going to totally be like, I don't, I'm not a therapist and I don't do that. (laughs) Well, so, so I'm, so I'm not a therapist either, but almost everything I'm using these days is borrowed from acceptance and commitment therapy. And, and there's people that are using consulting, calling it acceptance and commitment training. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever it is, it, it essentially we're borrowing this, this concept from conceptual behavioral science where you're, you're looking at a, at a, the tension between acceptance and change. Right. And so we're always looking at like, how do we accept our humanity? How do I accept our thoughts and feelings and, and, um, how do we work on the skills of accepting all the stuff that we can't change? And we actually kind of take the perspective, which I, I know is like greats against where most trainers come from, um, that, you know, that people should think happy thoughts and be super optimistic and all those things like that. But we actually take the perspective of like, let's not try and change your thoughts and feelings, and instead, let's just sort out your values and what matters to you, and let's take actions in line with those in spite of the thoughts and feelings you might have. And so um, I also feel like that keeps me really solidly within my scope because I'm not trying to sort out their, you know, all of their thoughts and feelings. I'm like, hey, you know what? It's really super normal to feel that way. And let's even, let's even, there's a technique called diffusion where you create a little bit of space. You you get a little bit of wiggle room from those thoughts, mostly by like labeling them by like, like noticing what they are and saying like, oh, I'm having the thought that blank or I'm having the feeling that blank gives people like like a little bit of wiggle room where they can actually make different choices that are more in line with their values. And so that, that would be the, the short version. We use a lot with emotional eating where we take the the case that your emotions aren't going to go away and like like these bad things that you're feel like you're feeling frustrated or sad or lonely or or whatever and it's normal to feel like that and we can work on some some coping strategies and we can work on some self-care but those aren't going to like fix that and make it go away the same way that like killing a bunch of food would like mm-hmm. it, it's not going to numb it out so um, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth it. 
And so let's take a look at what value, like what matters to you in your life that would make it worth it to like create a little bit of space and, and try something different. That's really cool. I also apologize. It's hailing in my house. So you hear that on the mic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's like actual balls of hail hitting my roof. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I've never seen this in, in San Francisco. It's crazy. Uh, I love that. Um, and I totally see it as it applies to, to the population that you're working with. I think it's really cool. It also reminded me of the super smart thing that you said earlier that I wanted to touch on, which was um, you mentioned conversations with friends and explaining the food that they're picking. Uh, I think that is probably one of the most important and under taught skills that we need to teach clients. Um, the actual skill of having conversations with your friends about what you're eating and answering mm -hmm. the questions that come up from, um, from people questioning your choices. Uh, I used to actually role play those conversations with clients all the time because it was the thing they spent the most time worrying about. And it was the thing that derailed most people or not most, a lot of people. And thinking of it, uh, as a series of skills that people need to learn, like weight loss is a bunch of skills that you need to integrate into your life. And I know that's the one by one nutrition mentality that has to be one of the top skills to teach people or to work with people on. Can you say, can you say more about that? Oh, the, 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 the skill. Um, yeah. So I, one of the, actually the first time I remember it came up when I was working with a client it was not a client who wanted to lose weight. It was, it was a client who wanted to gain weight. It was a client who was trying okay. to put on mass and they were, uh, a CrossFitter. They were in CrossFit and a lot of their other CrossFit friends um, were really aggressively questioning them. Right. And I noticed that at the beginning of every chat we had, they would want to tell me a story about another person calling, quote, calling them out. Yeah. And then I had, it dawned on me, wait, this is something that every one of my clients that I've ever had has talked to me about is what do I say to so-and-so? And then I thought, well, let's pull that out as a separate skill to work on. Like, like this is something that everyone's going to have to go through. It's not just knowing what foods to eat and then the skills of meal prep and meal planning and all those skills that we associate with weight loss. There's also interpersonal skills or social skills of weight loss. Yeah. It's a skill of how to, one of my favorites, how do I date? How do I go on dates? Right. And lose and still keep losing weight. It was a, a, a client that I had. So we would role play first dates and like them talking about food on their, on their dates. We would role play. Uh, let's see. What else have I role played with people? What do I say to friends and family? What do I say to um, my coworkers? That was the one that came up. Like when I start bringing um, Tupperware to work, everyone's going to ask me what diet I'm on. Um, that kind of stuff. So, like, so like, 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 I get that you role played all these things, but do you, are are there any like are there any like like distinctions to what they would get to? Or are there any like? Framework? Are, are there certain contexts that made a difference? Like, like where where would they get to? Uh, where would they get to? 
in in, in, ter- in, ter- in terms of talking. So so okay, like like I get that they would get more comfortable talking about it, right? <laughs> but um, but you know, like like if I have someone working on the skill of eating slowly, like like I I know what that might look like behaviorally, and, and it could look like fifteen different ways, but. Uh, but I do have kind of like an idea of what those 15 different things are. So like, like what are the, what are the like 10 different ways that they might go? Possibly they would say something like, or they would have like a perspective, like, uh, okay. I think I see what you're saying. Like, what are the different tactics that they yeah. would employ? Yeah. Um, so it was depending on, like, for example, the, the crossfitters wanted to put on weight. The tactic was aggressive. Like he wanted to be all up in their face about it. Right. And for, and that was like really inspiring for him. And for him, he like, he brought chicken nuggets to the gym, <laughs> like McDonald's chicken nuggets for all of like the clean eating paleo people to freak right. out. About. And that was really like, that, that was what, that was his thing. Um, and then for other people, it was uh, the tactics were either evasion, like, oh, yes, this thing I'm doing is no big deal, uh, okay. which for them was true. Like, that is really how they either felt about it or wanted to feel about it. Like, that was an aspirational right. thought. Uh, yeah. And that is, is totally fine. And others wanted to be able to, like, sound smart. That was a big deal. Okay. Uh, and, and, and be able to give reasons that were sciencey. Uh, I'll, I'll put science in quotes and wanted to have that, that fallback plan. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what everyone, like the thing, of course, I'm going to say this, the, the thing that I think they all wanted was to be able to demonstrate their competence and, uh, maintain while maintaining their relatedness with the people. Um, and the ways that they wanted to demonstrate that competence, I guess kind of let them lead. Like what, right. what did it mean for you? The cool side effect of it was that it, it helped them clarify their own values. Like actually <laughs> thinking through what am I going to say to people made them think about what their rationales were, which is kind of a really cool way to start to have the conversation about what matters to you in a slightly different angle. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> did, did you have yeah, anybody exactly. like realize halfway that like whatever I'm doing that I'm role playing with you now sounds stupid to me and I shouldn't do it anymore? All the time. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. And, and that's, uh, that's totally okay. Like if what they go is like, man, this is dumb. Like, I don't want to have to, like, I don't want to have to explain this. And I would just follow up with why not? You know, well, not, I would probably say why not, but like the, more therapy equivalent of why not? Like, tell me what you're talking about. What are you thinking? Um, and just letting them explore that as a value. Cause a lot of mm, this, this is kind of a weird thing to say about weight loss, but most people don't, even people who come to you to lose weight, don't really want to lose weight. They want other stuff. Like the, the stuff that matters is like, I want to feel more confident. I want to move better. I want to feel better. I want to set a good example for my kids. I want to play with my grandkids better. Like, stuff like that is the stuff that actually matters. And sometimes, in fact, most times, they, there comes a point when they're like, I'm good. I don't necessarily need to lose more weight. Like, or I don't want to do this anymore. And that's fine. Uh, and then sometimes they'll change their mind back. And that's fine, too. But being... Like the like exploring what matters to them in conversation is it can surface stuff that makes them question what they're doing. And if 
if, if you have an attachment to that outcome, you're just gonna, they're just going to feel controlled. Like if you try to push them, right. it's just going to make things worse. So having the attitude of whatever comes up for them, comes up for them, but being really genuinely interested in what that is, is, uh, yeah, some stuff comes up. That's another thing that I would throw out. You had that question about new trainers. <laughs> don't don't be attached to people having certain goals or uh-uh. need to use certain methods or like listen for what really matters to them and and be willing for that be be open to that changing as they like if, if you create a safe place for them to explore, it'll change over time and they'll they'll get way more real about it. I actually wrote this in a blog post on push notifications, funnily enough, uh, is, hang on one second, I'll, I'll read it verbatim. Um, because people changing their goals is not a bad thing. It's a sign that you're doing your job. Like, people, goals change all the time. And, and, and uh, in self-formation theory, that's called integration. Like, And that's the goal. Like, like your goal as someone who's supporting their needs is for them to realize what they actually want. Uh, and I'll read this verbatim. Um, pe- most people's goals change as they lose weight. They might start wa- out wanting to lose 50 pounds, but after losing 10 pounds, realize a new goal of wanting to be more to, to more easily play with their grandkids. This is not a bug. This is a feature of the integration <laughs> process. Changing to a more internal, self-determined reasons means you've done your job. So don't assume goals on day one will be the same as goals on day 50. Yeah, a goal is a game to play. It's an optional game to play. And, and yeah. the, the, what you're really up to is trying to figure out what matters to them and go in that direction. And, yeah. and a, goal, a goal may be a game to play along that direction, or it might not. Or you might find out, hey, this is what really matters to me, and you know what? That goal that I was pursuing actually isn't in the right direction. Yeah, and a, and a, and a goal... I think I've written this before. A goal that no longer feels motivating is no longer a goal. It's a burden. So let them get rid of it and find a new goal. I may have quoted you on that a thousand (laughs) times. Yeah, it's useful. Yeah, it's it's useful to remember when someone's like, I don't want to run that marathon anymore. Right. (laughs) Great. No problem. Um, so the one thing I wanted to like just ask you guys for any coach that's brand new and that's listening to this and they're like their eyes have just like exploded and they're like, holy shit, like what are these guys talking about? Where could they start? Like, is there a book, a resource or something that they could go look at right after listening to this to kind of get started in the direction you guys are in? Um, one thing that, so, so something I really liked was, uh, why we do what we do by, by Ed DC, which may or may not have been recommended to me by Steve a million years ago. Um, <laughs> but, the book I was just about to recommend. Yeah. Right. After you read that, I actually, this sounds really silly. I think one of the best resources there is, is the Wikipedia page on self-determination theory. <laughs> it's completely amazing. It's like the Cliff Notes version of all of this, and and um, spend some time looking at at organismic integration theory, and trying to sort that out in your head, and maybe Google around looking at that, because like you might read it like 15 times and be like, what is, what what is an interjection motive? You know, like, and it's okay to struggle with that, and I think that's a really cool, I think that's a really cool, uh, game to play. Yeah, those are great resources. Um, 
and and selfdeterminationtheory.org as well is a really great resource uh, for for SET stuff that's free. Um, if you want to invest in a book on uh, self-determination theory in practice, especially like in the practice of talking to people, uh, I'd really recommend Jennifer Lagardia's uh, new-ish, like in the last six months book, uh, Self-Determination Theory in Practice, How to Create an Optimally Supportive Healthcare Environment, which is available on Amazon. Um, it's a little dense. It's a little, like I would definitely read the Wikipedia page first. Um but it's a really great overview of how to actually support people's basic psychological needs in, in the medium of conversations. Um, and I'd recommend that over uh, some other, like uh, Motivational Interviewing in Healthcare is a classic book, and it's, it's very good, but I would check out Jennifer Lagardia's book first. Um, uh, MI, uh, Motivational Interviewing in Healthcare is a really good book for learning how to practice, but if you want to know, like, what should I be you know what should my what should my conversations look like? Check out Jennifer Lagardia's book. I, I'd also recommend. Um, it's funny because I haven't read it, but it's it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just with all the studying I've been doing of, of acceptance appointment therapy. I, I really like Russ Harris and um, the Happiness Trap is kind of a cool book. Um, the TL uh, TLDR version <laughs> is like, I, I really, 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 really think a lot of trainers need to just like let people feel their feelings. Yes. And yeah. um, so that, <laughs> so you don't need to read the book, but <laughs> if you're struggling with that, I would check out that book. Awesome. Sorry, I had my mic like on mute, and I was like, "Why is it no one is saying anything?" <laughs> uh, I wanted to like talk about failure because like it, it's interesting because I've seen clients where they like failed so miserably, fell on their face, and then that's what sparked like their next success in whatever their goal was. And at the same time, I've also had clients where they failed and they're like, "Fuck this, I'm not doing this anymore," and they just leave. So. I'm kind of curious, like, what your guys' take on failure and is it necessary to have to be successful in weight loss, in life, or whatever it is? I think I think thinking about failure, is it necessary or not, is, is a bit like saying oxygen, is it necessary or not? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you avoid yeah. failure? <laughs> like, it's impossible. It's life. Um, and everyone fails. Uh, the the interesting thing from a self-determination theory perspective is how people interpret failure is almost entirely related to if they're in a need-supportive environment or not. Um, mm-hmm. People in need-supportive environments uh, tend to have a, a more resilient, higher-quality form of motivation. Um, they, they, the reasons that they do things are more self-determined. That's where the name self-determination theory comes from. Um, they're more internal. And so people who are who experience setbacks uh, and have in, in a more uh, need supportive environment don't interpret them as uh, failure. They interpret them as information. They interpret them as feedback from their environment. So um, how people react to failure tells me a lot more about the way that they're being supported than about them as people per se. So if someone has a failure and then they, they freak out and quit, as a coach, I think, okay, I maybe wasn't supporting that particular person's basic psychological needs in the best way. 
what are some ways that, and I use that as an opportunity for my, my own growth. Um, that being said, uh, everyone is different and you also don't know what else is going on. And you, you don't always know what else is going on and how their needs are being supported elsewhere. Um, and everyone is different when it comes to what they perceive as failure or not. So um, there's a lot of stuff that is out of your control. Maybe some acceptance and commitment would be good to think about as a coach in that situation. Um, but yeah, failure is a fact of life and a way to help people learn more from failure is to support their basic psychological needs through that process. Uh, I've got kind of a funny perspective cause I'm, I'm, uh, I'm TAing this class and my, and my stats teacher is, um, she's a neuroscience researcher and loves, uh, learning research, right. And teaching research. And so one of the things that we do is we have people take quizzes like 10 or 20 times. Like, like they could theoretically take it as few as five times, but, um, but the first time they take the quiz, they take it before they've had any exposure to any of the material. And so they get an F and then, um, and then they're like primed though. Like they know that they don't know. And then they study it and they take the quiz and they probably get like a D and then we work on one of the things that they missed and they take it again, they get a C and then they take it again, they get a B, they take it again, they get an A. And we do that on every single quiz and it creates this like amazingly powerful, usable, durable learning. And in, in research it's called the testing effect that if, if you can have someone do multiple low stakes tests, um, they, they learn things really, really durably, right? So something that I stole from Steve-O <laughs> is, um, so I, like, I actually, it was my job actually to sell the class on why this was a good idea, um, cause it works really well. Um, what I stole from Steve-O is the idea that learning weight loss skills is like anything else you've ever learned. And so I try and use as many metaphors as possible of other things they've learned. I'm like, Hey, do you have kids? What's it like when your kid's trying to learn the clarinet? Do they hit any wrong notes that like the first time they pick it up? What was it like the first time you started learning a new language? What was it like? And, and letting, like trying to create this context where failure is a normal part of the process, you know, like, cause people really do tend to approach it from the context of like, if I fail, I suck. If I fail, I'm bad. If I fail, da, 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 right. So I'm always trying to create, like, like create a bigger context where failure is part of the process for um, lifelong learning, life, lifelong learning. That's actually a really good trick is not the right thing, but I would say technique is just trying to connect it to other people, like other things they've done. Um, yeah, I'm glad I had that smart thought. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Took that. I did that all all the time. Um, and even do that. I, I start presentations that way in, in like corporate settings. Uh, cause at the end of the day, coaching is just teaching. Like that's what it is. It's teaching. Um, it's, it's, it's fancy teaching. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you've had really great teachers, then you know what really great coaching looks like. Uh, and I'll go into these corporate environments and, uh, ask them to talk about their favorite teachers and their least favorite teachers. Like as a, as a, as a warm up. Um, yeah. And I stole that from Mark Fisher. Thanks, Mark. 
Uh, and it's a really useful tool for getting people into the mindset of whatever we're going to do today, like all this new skills and all this new stuff that we're going to be talking about. It's just like anything else. It's still learning and learning looks like learning what learning looks like. We've all know what that looks like. That's so, awesome. uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it has lots of carryover. So using it with clients, using it with, with fancy tech people, it, it's just learning. Um, and at the end of the day, what we do is teaching. So let's not overcomplicate it. Uh, so very last question, because now we're like creeping over an hour and I got to start prepping for the gym and my clients. But uh, <laughs> it would be awesome because I usually like end the show with like people plugging their stuff. But we kind of did that in the beginning. But it'd be kind of cool to get like some parting last words for the both of you for the audience to like ponder as they finish this episode (laughs) (laughs) anyone um okay uh so i think it's i think what most of this comes down to as a coach is providing a safe space for reflection and most of what this comes down to for a client or for someone that's trying to lose weight out there is that they probably need to do a little more reflection and you should take that reflection both on like how your last week went and what you see in your next couple of weeks as, and, and also looking at like what really matters to me, which is a long process, but like start to dig through, like who do I care about? What do I care about? You know, like, like those kinds of things. And then bring those, always bring those back to behavior, like always bring that back to a skill, like like an action. And even though there isn't always like a like a one-to-one relationship between your value and your action, it's like a game you can play. Like a, a skill you're working on, your skill practice that week is like a game you can play inside of like being the person, the kind of person you want to be, like based on the values that you stated that you're continually clarifying. And so I think you can take all the things we talked about and simplify it down to a, like a like a practice you know like like what am i practicing this week am i practicing you know listening to my body am i practicing you know eating slowly am i practicing cooking um and um and just just whenever you start to get lost in the psychology of it just bring it back to a practice i love that Great. i love that i'm not going to try to top that <laughs> <It's too good. laughs> But I'll I'll just add to it and say, as a part of that reflective practice, which I think is just great, um, a question that I think often gets overlooked or that we forget about, um, and I've used this a lot whenever I'm not feeling super motivated, uh, and I I definitely have have used it effectively in, in the coaching environment, is when you're feeling that, and as part of your reflective practice, to ask yourself, Instead of just what am I doing, why am I doing it, um, really think about who you're doing it for. Who are you doing it for? Uh, are you doing and, and are you doing it to be a better person? Okay, who do you want to be a better person for? Um, who do you? And it could be good or bad. Are you doing this? You know, do you want to look good to make your ex jealous? Is that who you're doing it for? Uh, if so, how does that feel? Like, what is that? What is that? bring up in you and why and what does that say about what does you think that says about who you are and what you're doing 
Um, or it could be a good feeling. Am I doing this for my future children? Am I doing this for my spouse? Am I doing it for me? This is a totally valid answer to that question. Um, but really thinking about relationships and thinking about who you're doing it for, not just what, not just why, and not just how. That's awesome. Awesome, yeah. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> I, I took notes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so again, I just want to thank you too for all your time. Like you guys were just like mind blowing, amazing, and just thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, it was super fun. This was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's gonna wrap up episode 106 with Stephen Ledbetter and Josh Hillis. Like I said, this episode was just amazing. Hopefully, it opened your eyes and kind of gave you a new view on how you should be as a coach when it comes to clients and in your everyday life with people. Now, if you want to purchase the books that Steve-O mentioned the episode along with what Josh mentioned, I have them in the show notes of this episode. So be sure to check that out. And again, please, 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 please share this podcast as always. And let me know if you have any questions, feedback, thoughts, concerns. I'd be happy to answer all of those. And until next week, you guys, that's it.